you guys doing this morning? It is so good to see you this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Tyler. I have the great joy and privilege of being on staff here at Crossroads, and uh, I'm the Lompoc campus pastor, uh, and it's a joy and a privilege to get to be with you guys pretty much every single week out of the year with the exception of maybe a couple. Um, this week is Vision Sunday. I'll talk more about that, uh, but you have no idea how strange it is. Me and Sam often talk every day pretty much, like if you can believe it or not. We pretty much talk every single day and we'll often have conversations and he'll be like, what do you think about if we do this in Bealton? And I'm like, cool, dude. He's like, oh, you think it'd work? I was like, I haven't been there in six months, dude. I don't know even know what a Sunday morning looks like over there. For all I know, you guys are just watching a YouTube video. Like, I have no idea what you guys do over there. I don't know who attends. And then same thing with me. He'll talk about like, oh, like, I'll ask him, oh, what do you think about this for Lompoc? He's like, dude, I've, I've been there one time since we launched Sunday mornings a year and a half ago. I have no idea what happens. We'll see people out in the community. It's funny, people will see him and they'll be like, oh, I've seen you on a screen before, like, because they've never met him before. Uh, so it is quite an interesting dynamic as we undertake something like a Vision Sunday where we're planning the vision for Crossroads as a whole, but also two different campuses and two different communities. Um, so... I would encourage you not just listen to this one, but also Sam is preaching in Buellton, and it's going to be different than mine. Um, we're going to have a lot of the same things, but then also how we're going to articulate, and then there's going to be different things that we have for Lompoc campus that is different from Buellton, and vice versa. There will be things for Buellton campus that will be different for Lompoc campus, but ultimately what we want to do is articulate to you what it is we're about as a church, why we do the things we do, and then what the future holds for us. Um, so as, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll just dive right in. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are leading and guiding your church. Um, Jesus, we don't want to get lost in, in programs. We don't want to get lost in services. We don't want to get lost in all of the details and all of the administration that goes behind uh, the organization of the church. But ultimately, Lord, we want to follow you. We are your church. Lead us where you want us to go. Guide us where you want us to go. Direct us where we want us to go. Uh, and open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive as you speak to us. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your mighty name we pray. Everyone says, amen. amen. So it's weird. Every single week we, we preach the Bible. Uh, and Vision Sunday will be no different uh, because that's really all we know how to do, me and Sam. Uh, we're, we're like not... We're not TED Talk givers. Uh, I, I couldn't talk to you about much of anything else for 30 minutes straight. I sometimes baffle myself that it's like, I talked for 35 minutes? That's, I, that's really impressive. I'm surprised I could talk that long. Um, so this, what this is, we are still going to be opening up the scriptures together as we journey through the vision of our church. So if you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you, you can download it on your phone, the YouVersion app. You can also grab one from the back, or if you just slip up your hand, uh, the wonderful Tony will get you a Bible. Uh, we're going to be bouncing around a little bit. We're not going to be anchoring in a text, but we're going to kind of be going through uh, three different parts and aspects of the church with three different scriptures. So feel free to raise your hand. If not, go ahead and jump to Joshua chapter 4 is where we're going to be starting this morning. Joshua chapter 4. It's pretty much in the beginning of the Bible. Uh, it's like just six books in, all right? So we have the Old Testament, New Testament, we have the fi first five books, and then we jump right to Joshua, all right? 
What we're going to talk about this morning first is where we've come from as a church. And and that's important to realize where we've come from. Maybe some of us are fairly new here. I mean, we're fairly new as a as Crossroads Lompoc campus itself. Um, But maybe there's some of you who don't know the history of where we've come from and what and what God's been doing. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter four to help us understand the importance of where we've come from. Joshua chapter four. This is what it says. Uh, There's going to be quite a little bit of reading. So. Bear with me. When all of the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. All right, wait a minute. Context. That's going to be important for you. So most people believe that uh, the only time uh, the people of Israel crossed over on the bottom of a river or a sea would be the Red Sea, uh, which is where Moses parted the Red Sea. But actually in Joshua, we have this amazing story where the people of Israel come up against the River Jordan as they're going into the Promised Land. Moses has just passed away. And now Joshua is their new ruler and pushing them forward as they take the promised land. And he says, we have to cross the Jordan. It's important to realize the Jordan at this time, this was during when the ice caps had just melted, is flowing, gushing. Water is everywhere. And they come to the Jordan and the Lord gives them this specific command. He says, take the tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And what they're going to do is they're going to step foot into the Jordan River. At this time, the Lord has told them, make sure that the Ark of the Covenant is about a half mile in advance of the people of Israel. So there's Ark bearers walking, and they step foot into the Jordan River. As they step foot in the Jordan River, the waters stop, and they're able to walk on dry land as long as the Ark of the Covenant is there. So this is literally what is happening. The river has now stopped. The people of Israel are crossing. The Ark of the Covenant is literally in the middle of this dry bed river that the people of Israel are journeying through. And this is what it says. When they had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. So they're taking twelve stones from the dry riverbed of the Jordan, which should have a lot of water. From that very place where the priests feet stood firmly and bring them over with you as I lay them in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each one of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask you, In the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Verse 8, people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything had finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded to Joshua. So we see the rivers have now stopped And the Lord tells Joshua, tell 12 people from each tribe, one from each tribe, to go in the middle of the Jordan, which is now dry, and take a stone out. And where you lodge tonight, you will set them up. 
And the purpose of that was so that you would remember what the Lord had done. When people who maybe had not seen what had happened would come, the people of Israel would stop and they would go, what does this mean? And what they would tell them is the Lord stopped the waters of the Jordan. But what's fascinating here is Joshua does something else. It's not what the Lord had commanded him, but Joshua had another idea. He took 12 stones and he put them in the middle of the Jordan River. And he did this so that the, where the feet of the priests had stood with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there's a, there's a text in here I want you to see. It says, and they are there to this day. Now, remember, it doesn't mean like literally right now. The author was writing this, Joshua, and he was saying that as the author was writing this, they are still there, which means they could still see these stones in the middle of the Jordan River. Now, remember, this is the season where the water was gushing everywhere. Most scholars, Hebrew scholars, would say that they would not be able to be seen during the harvest season when water is everywhere. But we're well aware, uh, drought comes here in California, right? And all of a sudden, the rivers start to kind of dwindle down. Kachuma Lake starts to just disappear somehow. I don't know. You know, it's, it's bizarre. We're like, where's, where does it all go? And, and when that happens, you begin to see things in the river and in the waters that you could not see before. Most scholars would believe these 12 stones during times of great harvest, you could not see them. But as the waters would begin to recede, drought would begin to come, these stones would begin to reappear in the middle of the Jordan. And people would begin to remember, looking at the stones going, remember what the Lord did. Remember how he persevered and brought us through that. And these stones were a visible reminder during time of drought, maybe difficulty, maybe when you're wondering what's next, these stones would reappear and the people of Israel would remember what the Lord did for them this day. Uh, we as a church do our best to do this. Now, now I don't want this to get mixed up, okay? We're, we're not about building little altars or temples. This, this is not like the letterman's jacket that you hang in your closet going like, remember when I was skinnier? Remember when I was faster? Remember when I was younger? Remember when I was more better looking? All of these things. And we just look back on that time going like, oh, I wish I could, oh man, I wish I could still fit my letterman's jacket, or I wish I could still put my cheer uniform on. That is not what the people of Israel are doing. It was not a desire to go back to where they were. It was a reminder to help push them forward. It wasn't about being popular, skinnier, younger, like oftentimes we reminisce and think about. But it was much more than that. It's remembering God's faithfulness in a time when it maybe needs to be reminded. At Lompoc campus, we are in a great time of blessing. It's amazing to see all that the Lord has been doing. We've been here only for about a year and a half uh, Sunday mornings. We were at 1045, then we switched to 930. It's amazing to see what the Lord has done in these short three, three years, three and a half years total, and year and a half on Sunday mornings. Uh, just to recap some of what's happened, we've, we've revamped all the kids' room, and that, this is this year. I'm not going to talk about the very beginning or the history of the church, but, but this year alone, just so we can go, man, look at what the Lord has done. We've revamped all of the kid rooms with the help of, of members of the church uh, we've taken over pretty much every space that, uh, there's not much space here. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. It's not like we're having a ton of space where we're like, man, what are we going to do with this room? It's kind of like, oh my gosh, we need to slam some kids in that room is what we need to do. So we've pretty much taken over any empty space and put kids in there. So we used to have these two rooms over here, and then we had the nice big dining hall over there where we could have pies or, you know, do whatever we want. 
That's no longer the case. We have kids everywhere, and we've revamped all of these rooms, and we've launched Club Baby uh, just recently where we have zero to two-year-olds and volunteers staffing that. Uh, we revamped Club House, which is our TK. Uh, I should know this. Zero to two, two to four. Thanks, Katie, one of our wonderful kids workers. They know I'm, People often come to me, they're like, hey, what do we do about this? I'm like, I don't know. Jill, even this morning, was like, how many coffees we put out? I was like, four? She's like, there's no way. I'm like, I've never done coffee before. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've watched people do coffee, but I, I don't know the inner workings of everything. It's, it's so great that we are a, a team of people here at the Lompoc campus. So we've done that. We've revamped some of the wiggle room. Uh, we just launched our nursing mother's room right down the way. Uh, and then we've taken over Club Kid uh, over there. It's, it's not uncommon that we'll have around 40 kids here every Sunday morning. Uh, that's, that's normally about the average is 40 kids from zero to sixth grade. Uh, God has blessed us immensely. Uh, as well with that, we've had probably around 12 uh, water baptisms, people deciding that they want to make their faith public. Uh, and we're going to have more before the year's over. As well, we've had probably, uh, I know the exact number with this because it was so overwhelming. We had, did 20 child dedications this year um, alone. First time we've done child dedications uh, as the Lompoc campus, and it was amazing to see so many families deciding uh, we're not going to let our kids be dedicated to culture, society, school systems, what other people want, but we're dedicating to the Lord, recognizing that his ways are better than mine. And they may not look the way that I want, but I'm surrendering them to the Lord and the Lord first. We don't even have a sign. I don't know if you know that. It's, uh, it's confession time, I guess. Yeah, I haven't bought a sign for the Lompoc campus yet. Um, I say that with great pride and then great disappointment all at the same time, because that's like, I should have one job to make sure people know where the church is. I failed at that one job for the past year and a half. Uh, we don't have a sign on the front door. It's amazing to think Literally, uh, people have told me we've been coined like the speakeasy church because you literally have to know where it's at. You have to know what time to be here. You have to know all of those details uh, because if someone said, oh, it's the church on J Street, you would drive down J Street and be like, oh, there's a church, but it might be closed. <laughs> there's no sign. Only way you know it's a church is because we have a giant cross on the front. Thank the Lord for that. Like We, we don't have a sign advertising who we are, when we meet, or even how to get information. Like, in, at least if I had the website, it'd be like, oh, all right, like, I guess I can go get information from the website. I don't even give people that. Um, so all that to say, the future of Crossroads is we're going to buy a sign, all right? <laughs> we can conclude the vision meeting. One thing we've taken away, I need to buy, buy a sign. It's mind-blowing to me. Like, if you really stop and think about what the Lord, Lord is doing, um, leading, bringing people here, um, it's incredible. So we, we've talked a little bit about where we've come from and, and the importance. It's almost like I, I think of us like we're, we're Joshua right now, and we're, we're laying stones down, and we're in a good season. Um, but let me tell you, seasons change, um, and we want to be about what the Lord wants us to do. Uh, and sometimes... It looks amazing. And sometimes you see all of the benefits cr come from that right away. And sometimes you're sowing seed that you will not even see the harvest for. Uh, right now, I praise the Lord. We're, we're in a season of great harvest. We see what the Lord is doing. The waters are covering those stones. Uh, but we remember times like these to go, man, but remember how the Lord persevered. Remember how the Lord was faithful so that in times of drought where those stones start to pop up, 
we remember, man, remember 20 children dedications, 12 people water baptized, like the Lord is faithful. He brings the increase, not us. So Lord, let us be about your doing. Uh, Next, let's talk about what we do and why, because there's a lot of things that we do. And then sometimes many of you think like, you don't do a lot of things. Like, I wish there were more things. So let's talk about what we do and why we do them. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to talk about two scriptures with this. Ephesians 4 verse 12, it's something you often hear. Um, We'll start in 11. And he gave, this this is God giving, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then let's look, Matthew 28, I can just read it to you, many of you will recognize it. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which, which Jesus had directed them. In. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What we're going to talk about a little bit is uh, no one probably is unfamiliar with the mission of what we do as Crossroads. Uh, the mission, we bring glory to God and good to Lompoc. For the Lompoc campus, that is our mission, that we would bring glory to God and good to our city, good to our neighborhoods, good to our workplaces, good to Lompoc. That is the mission of what we do. Everything we decide or decide not to do is rooted in the mission of what we do. But then with the mission, there's, there's the method. Uh, and methods, let me tell you, will look radically different depending on where you go. Um, some places uh, think I cannot be married if I'm a pastor or a priest. I have to remain celibate. Some would say, like, there's no way you're the pastor. You're up there in a shirt and vans and long hair and a beard. You can't do that. Uh, and that is not thank the Lord, the method in which we do things. So I can stand up here as the pastor and look like this. Now, I don't want to be disheveled, but this, you know, you get what you get. That's <laughs> you get what you get. Sorry. Um, the methods and the missions. Uh, so the, the mission is let, let it, everything we say and do bring glory to God and good to Lompoc. The, the methods are what we probably need to discuss a little bit more because I don't think anyone would disagree or have a problem with the mission of the church. Uh, the primary method in which we disciple as a church. So the primary way in which we want to make sure we are discipling people uh, is Sunday morning gathering. Sunday morning gathering is the most important thing that the church is going to do as the gathering of the saints is the Sunday morning gathering, this. So what we try and do on the Sunday morning gathering is uh, there's these terms of like, are you seeker friendly? Absolutely, anyone is more than welcome to come through these doors. But primarily, it is for people who follow Jesus. This is the time when we come together, we worship the same God together, we get fed a sermon and the same message together to help stir us to hunger so that we leave here and then we equip the saints. Our role as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You go and do the ministry. So we place the highest value on the Sunday morning gathering. And what that means is we don't want to take your time with so many other things. Uh, Some of that also is, it's me and Sam running two campuses. We'll we'll go over interns, we'll go over things, but but it's it's us two trying to oversee everything. 
Uh, so some of it is also our time and what we're able to give as we, I pour into Buellton, he pours into Lompoc, vice versa. Um, but primarily the reason we place the highest importance on the Sunday gathering is we hope to give you the tools to go out and equip we want to equip people to do the work of the ministry. We don't want to take your time with Sunday morning gathering. Okay, and then after that, we're going to get together and do this. And Monday is Bible study. Tuesday is small group. Wednesday, we do craft day. Thursday, we do this. Now, listen, I'm not saying that those things are not good. Should that be the primary role of what the church organization does for people is make sure that we have everything mapped out so that all throughout the week, you guys can go and check boxes off. We don't think so. Now, granted, could we do more? Absolutely. Do we have plans to do more? Yes, we do. Do we desire to do more than primarily just the Sunday morning gathering? Yes, we do. Um, and some of those things are our small groups. And what's amazing is we've been wrestling through what it means for the church to do small groups or gatherings outside of the Sunday morning service where believers gather together and talk about, uh, we oftentimes do sermon-based small groups. So you would talk about the sermon if you are unaware we have a notepad in the back, a blank page paper, so that you can take notes. Primary reason for that is when you go home, you can have a small group at your dinner table with your family where you begin to talk about the sermon. Talk about what the Lord is doing. Ask questions to your family, to your kids, to your spouse. We have take-home kids. We have take-home papers for the kids every week. Now, whether they take it or not, I don't know. Um, but if you're unaware, we give them little papers with a memory verse, with prompts that you can ask questions to them, that things they learned about in the lesson. All of those things are the ministry, and we want to equip you to do those. You do not need my permission or the church's permission to gather with people outside of Sunday mornings. You don't. You don't need to sign up for a small group and me go like, yep, that looks good. Go ahead and do that. Or no, I don't really like that. Oh, it's too big. It's too small. Listen, if you have people that want to gather together and talk about Jesus, open your home and do that. You absolutely can do that. We have small groups happening all the time. Uh, there's probably some I don't even know about, okay? I'm okay with that. We want to give you permission to begin to gather with people, disciple people, mentor people, okay? It's not just the role of the pastors to do that. But again, although we do want to do more so we want to make Sunday mornings the primary. The primary purpose of Sunday mornings and what we do is we go through books of the Bible. So at the end of this, we will unveil what sermon series we are going through next, or our sermon series are always tied in books. So we just came out of Ephesians, where we spent about six months going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll figure out what we're going over next week. Uh, it will be entertaining, to say the least. So make sure you stick around to see what we're going through from probably here until 2027, I would say. It's going to be it'll be a while. Um, so we go through books of the Bible as a church. Uh, we're multi-campus. So we have a campus here in Lompoc. We have a campus here in Bilton. The reason for that um, is because we have two different cities where people gather. Um, so for the longest time, it was just Bilton campus, and a lot of Lompoc people traveled from Bilton to be a part of that. And so it was always the heart of Pastor Sam and the team at the time to have multi-campus. Let's give a campus to Lompoc where they can gather, invite their friends, bring people to a local church. We don't have grand illusions of being this giant mega church. Uh, we we want to be faithful with what the Lord has given us. We dream of more, uh, but we don't have this grand illusion of imagine if we could have five services, packed out every single one. In fact, actually, we made the decision this year to go to one service. 
um, and have everyone together in one service. Uh, is there any firemen in here? Please raise your hand if you are, because what I'm about to say. Oh, man. You're Malibu County. You're fine. No big deal. Uh, we are, we've been over capacity in this building for six months. Um, yeah. Don't tell anyone, Matt. Trust me. <laughs> we, we've been over capacity for six months. Um, now, I have asked firemen um, hypotheticals, you know, uh, what would happen, when would we get in trouble, and they've pretty much said, unless it's just like you guys are literally like busting at the seams, you will never see us knock on your door uh, until it becomes unsafe. We don't have any intention of going to two services right now. Uh, me and Sam both, at times, it's like, man, we're over capacity, what are we going to do? Uh, it's like, let's, I mean, we can fit more chairs in here. If you look around, it's like, all right, like, it's full, but we can fit more. Um, or is it worth splitting and going to two services? And at that point, you, you almost have two churches. You don't know who comes to the first service, who comes to the second. You don't see someone for six months, and you're like, I, you see them in the city, you're like, oh, like, what, how's church? And they're like, I don't go anymore. And you're like, I thought you just went to first service. Uh, all of those things, we are meant to be the body of Christ gathering together, and we're doing our best to do that at one service. Uh, that way we are able to build relationship and community and discipleship here on Sunday mornings. Um, now with that, we have explored, obviously some of you have heard, like we're open to what the Lord wants to do with us in this campus and in this building, but we have no intention uh, at this point of going to two services. I mean, it would literally have to be the fire department coming going like, yeah, there's no way you can have this many people in here. And I'll entertain the idea of going to two services. But I'm like, dude, we can blow out a wall or something and get more people in here. It doesn't change the fire code, but I don't care about the fire code. Let's <laughs> it. It's just a number. It's arbitrary number. I don't even know how they come up with it. They just take a wild guess, flip a coin. So I'm sure I don't want to belittle that job. It probably, they do have a method for doing it. I just don't know what it is. So I'm ignorant to it. We also do video venue. Um, so we do video venue primarily um, and then I will be preaching regularly here. Um, and that has been the ebb and flow now at times because of, again, schedules and what me and Sam have going. Uh, neither of us are super scheduled people. I book out normally about a week. Uh, I ran a body shop for eight years. So my life revolved around Monday to Friday. Once Friday came, it was like, Monday's a whole other problem. I'm not even going to worry about it. Um, in a church, I have to kind of think through the future, and me and Sam just both are like, dude, let's just get some work done. So there would be times in the past where it's like, I didn't preach for four to six months sometimes, uh, and that wasn't because I didn't want to. It's not because Sam didn't want me to. It was because we just had our nose to the grindstone working. So suddenly we were like, ooh, I should probably be preaching live. I should probably be stretching and exercising my legs in order to do so. Uh, so we've had a schedule out now. I'll be preaching at least once a month. Uh, sometimes more, uh, but a minimum of once a month, and then the other weeks we do video venue. And the reason for that is it allows us to listen to the same sermon. So it keeps the cohesity of one church in two locations. When you run into people in the city, you're not going, oh, that was totally different than what Tyler said, which me and Sam are different communicators. So we will say different things. We're going to be in the same text, but suddenly what pulls one person in a small group, and then you hear a different sermon, you're like, I didn't, I didn't hear. What do you, and then it's, oh, you listen to the other campus. So it keeps cohesity in the church that we are one church but in two locations. Uh, as well, um, it helps in small groups in that way. Uh, it also allows me to be a campus pastor. 
It allows me to not just have to worry about every single week speaking and preaching, um, but it allows me to be able to do the other things that are necessary for me to be able to help build and encourage and equip not just Lompoc, but also Buellton. So that's a little bit of what we do and why, and now where do we want to go from here? Let's look at First Chronicles to kind of anchor this text. Again, I've we're Bible preachers, so it's like anytime it's a vision Sunday, it's like I don't want to just be a motivational speaker or cast vision for you to buy in. It's like let's actually look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. So we're going to be in First Chronicles verse chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to flip a page over to chapter 22. This is what it says. Now when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in. Let's flip over to chapter 22 and find out why it was that the Lord said this. 22 verses 6, it says this. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. David had a right desire. David's desire was to build a house for the Lord so he would dwell. He's like, I live in a house and the Ark of the Covenant's in a tent. I would like to build a house. And Nathan initially goes, do all that you want. Do all that your heart desires because the Lord is with you. That very night, the Lord goes, it's not for David to build. Uh, And then we learn it's because he has shed so much blood. He waged wars in the name of God, which was what he was supposed to do, cleanse the land, set it up for his son and his heirs to have peace. But the Lord goes, you've shed too much blood. It's for someone else to build whose hands are not bloodied. Where we want to go as a church is where the Lord leads and guides us. There's a lot of things that we could stand up here and go, hey, here's this program that we want to do. Here's what we want to do. Here's how we want to accomplish it. Help us do that. But let me tell you, the first and foremost thing we want to do is we want to go exactly where the Lord wants us. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to sit on our hands and just wait for the voice of God to come down and go, go here, buy this church, take this over. Like, that's not what we're waiting to do. So we are actively moving. We're knocking on every door. We're trying to figure out what the Lord has for us. Uh, But what God wants is our priority. Our part is we want to be intentional with what we have and dream about if we had more. In Matthew, there's a a parable, and it's the, the parable of the talents. And what it is is each one was given a different amount of money. And the the master left, and when he returned, he had found that some of the some of the people had invested the money and they got a return. They took what was given and then reinvested it and put it somewhere else. And then, and then another servant ended up digging a hole, buried what the Lord gave him in a hole, covered it up because he was so afraid to lose it. Um, what we know is God wants us to be moving, active, and determining what we should be doing. Um, some of what we're doing with the intentionality um, 
is trying to be obedient to what he's kind of throwing flame at, if you so say. So uh, obviously we want to train leaders. We want to hire more staff. We, we would love to plant more churches in different cities. Um, but what we're doing right now is we've now revamped the youth ministry for Buellton. And this is where the vision for each campus is going to look a little different. Um, over there, they have revamped the youth ministry for junior high and high schoolers. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to tear down another half pipe. We're going to build another half pipe in the parking lot at Buellton. We bought more skate ramps. If you've never been over there, we have a uh, like a six-foot half pipe already. We're going to put a three-foot half pipe over there. Uh, we're trying to fan the flame of it seems like there's a, an opening and a door for us to walk through uh, with young people on the campus. Now, that doesn't mean that we have nothing to do with youth here. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to be on the campuses more on the days that I'm here. So a couple weeks ago, I was at Cabrillo. Uh, I'll be there again this week talking to uh, the FCA club or Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, but let me tell you, it would be terrifying to have 40 kids running around J Street at 7.30 p.m., okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I don't want to be responsible for them, okay? So that's, that's the big fear is how do we facilitate doing a youth group here when it probably would not be wise, would not be good stewards of us to have a bunch of underage children running around the parking lot on J Street um, at night. So what can we do? I'm able to go to the campuses while I'm here, pour into them there. Uh, ultimately, like Paul says, listen, some, fo some follow Apollo, some follow Paul, some do this. As long as Jesus is proclaimed, then I celebrate that. We, we are a kingdom-minded church. It's not about building this church. But man, if people come to follow Jesus and they go to a different church, great. We are glad that we were able to just sow seed. So what we are going to do is we've revamped uh, some of the intern program. So we're trying to find creative ways to have more interns that help out with what we do. Um, we've also looked at a Bible college, Catalyst Bible College for young adults that we're going to try and start figuring out how to open classes to our church who have a desire maybe to go and get a, a degree or maybe it's just for further study. You have a heart, a passion, a desire to learn more about scripture. So we want to open up some Bible college classes that would be accredited for you to take. Um, as well, we just started putting our feelers out for a young adults group here. Uh, it's been amazing. There's been young adults already gathering together. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, why are we not doing something? Why are we not at least seeing if there's an option and ability for us to have a young adults group here at Crossroads? What would that look like? So we're two weeks into figuring it out. Uh, the way we've decided to figure out is for this month, we're just going to put out every Wednesday, hey, this is what we're going to be doing and where we're going to be doing it. doesn't always go as planned. This week it was supposed to be, or last week it was, let's get it cold coast. I got Big Jake's to give some noodles for us. Uh, and then we'll talk about Ephesians because we just shut that down. We had, a, I guess it was karaoke night. So I know the barkeep, Nate, I walk in, I'm like, hey, dude, it's pretty chill here, right? That's not like rowdy. That doesn't get crazy. And he's like, oh, no, dude, it's super chill. doesn't even really start going until like eight o'clock. And then people start to go for it. I was like, oh, sick, dude. Like, we're going to have some young adults here. We had like 25 to 30 young adults come. Uh, and let me tell you, karaoke was a little bit more rowdy than we <laughs> expected. <laughs> Mike knows all about it. It's, it gets a, they, they opened up that mic at six o'clock and it was like, boom, everyone signed up and was singing an eclectic amount of songs. Um, so didn't quite go as planned. We didn't get to talk about Ephesians, uh, but what we did get to do is have an amazing time of fellowship, relationship, community building. 
I don't know if there's anything more community building than standing up there with a random stranger and singing karaoke. Um, I'll be honest with you. I did not do it. I hate karaoke with a passion. Um, so I did not partake. But many of our young adults had a blast partaking in karaoke. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do this week. We're, again, we're, we're figuring this out a little bit as we go. We're seeing where the Lord seems to be doing something. And we go, okay, Lord, maybe we should explore this. This last year we had our iron work was, was uh, amazing. We then launched into our midweek gatherings where we had stuff for men, women, kids, youth, all at the same time. Um, but what we found was for us at Lompoc campus, it was like, that, that was amazing, that was great. It was a lot for people in Lompoc. Um, so that's where we started to realize it may have to look different at each campus. Um, so we are trying to figure out what does Lompoc need and what does Buellton need and how can we, and, and where is it that they overlap? And where, we can, where can we do those overlappings, like worship nights? That, that's an overlap. We all need that. Um, but there may be differences that we have at each campus. So we are carefully, diligently, um, but also boldly figuring that out. As, as we close about Vision Sunday, I just want to tell a story. Uh, it's a story about a French doctor who, uh, once the World War I had ended, uh, he was a doctor his entire career in a small village. Obviously, a doctor in that way, uh, you know every single person there, and every single person knows you. So as he was retiring, the whole, the whole village wanted to get together to do something for him, to show their appreciation, to show how much he meant to them, their families, everything like that. So uh, what they decided to do was, again, post-World War I, people didn't have much, but oftentimes what they had was, was a vat of wine is what they would have in their cellar. Uh, so they determined, hey, as a retirement gift, what we can do is we will each take uh, a portion of our wine, a little, little filling of our wine, and we'll put it into a vat for him. And that way he can go on retirement and he has wine and everything will be great in retirement because that's what you do in retirement, right? <laughs> so the whole village had determined, okay, each of us are going to give a portion of our wine and we'll dump it into his vat and then he can take it. So the whole village begins to go out dump their portion of the wine into here. Everyone's celebrating, applauding, thanking, showing their gratitude and how much he's meant for them, for their families, for their cities. And he goes out, takes the vat of wine, puts it in his wine cellar, and a couple nights later he decides, like, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into that a little bit and let's try it. So he, he takes his glass and he puts it in his vat and he takes a sip and has to double take takes another sip, and that's not right. So he dumps it out and goes in for a second. He's like, Man, let, me, let me stir it, and let me see what's going to be different. Takes a sip, and same thing. It's, that's not right at all. So he lets it sit, comes back a couple days, same thing, pulls it out, has a sip. It tastes it's water. He's like, it, it, this is just water. So he goes to the city, goes to the mayor, goes to all these people, and, and he's like, hey, I, I don't know what happened, like, but, but it's just water. And the whole city comes together. They're, no, there's no way. We all dumped our wine in there. It, it can't be water. It, it's wine in there. So they begin to go, and everyone tastes it, and it's water. And they begin to realize in this town meeting that every single person there thought everyone else is going to give wine. No one will know if I just give water. And the whole city, <laughs> I think it's funny. I'm like, oh, poor dude. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. <laughs> Man, 
didn't expect people to laugh at that. <laughs> Poor doctor. The whole city had just given water, thinking that everyone else would give wine. How often do we do the same thing? And, and let me tell you, we do, we do that in a lot of things. But oftentimes in church, it's kind of like, I just kind of come, I hang out, I sit down. As soon as the pastor says amen, I'm out the door, and I'm going to carry on with my day. Where we want to go as a church, um, we don't fully know where that is. What I do know, it's going to take everyone. If you want to be the person that just gives the water, let me tell you, you would be surprised at how many people think, oh, we'll just give water and no one will know. It's going to take everyone. And everyone is invited to be a part of where we're going. The body of Christ is not an organization. It's a living organism. And we're going to do our best as a church and as a leadership to determine where the Lord wants us to go. The most important thing, we want you to go with us. We, we want everyone to be involved as we move forward because the most important thing that we have the highest value of is we want to radically see the city of Lompoc changed in the name of Jesus. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to expend resources. We're going to expend expenses. We're going to expend relationships, everything, in a hope that some may come to know of the saving, healing power that is found in Jesus alone. That's, that's what we're going to do. That's our vision for the church. How that will look organizationally, I don't know. Uh, but we are a living organism of the body of Christ on mission for Jesus. Um, so let's pray. And then we will get to see what our next sermon series in. Jesus, we love you so much. Uh, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. Uh, we thank you for where you're calling us to go. Uh, Jesus, let our main priority be what you have for us. Let us not just get lost in everything that may just be good, but isn't actually your will. Uh, but Lord, let us not sit on our hands, ignoring what we know to be good, because we're so just waiting and waiting for you to tell us what to do when there's good for us to do right in front of us. Help us to walk that line as a church body diligently and well. Jesus, we are your church. We want you to lead, guide, and direct every move we make. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your mighty name we pray. Everyone said, amen. amen.